And God, I know that tonight you want to speak not just to my heart, but to the hearts of these students. And, and so, God, we invite you to do that. I'm asking that you would pierce our hard hearts with your word. God, that you would bring conviction where it's needed, that you would bring encouragement and hope where it's needed. God, that we would encounter you tonight in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 26.3 says this. You keep him in perfect... I think I should have said peace. Pardon me. Let me hop to Isaiah 26.3 in my, my Bible. Uh, anyone have Isaiah 26.3? You can get it quicker than me. I'd like for you to read it. Just kidding, I don't have it out yet. Isaiah 20, 26, 3. Okay. Tony, will you read that, please? Oh, Elliot, I'm sorry. I, my hearing's going bad, too. I told you, chaos. Just pure chaos, bro. Elliot. Yeah, please. Oh, sweet Jesus. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set steadfast. Because they trust in you. Okay. Perfect peace, right? You and I are to be kept in perfect peace if our minds stay on God because we trust in God. How many of you would say that's been true of you this week? You're like, oh, totally nailing it, walking in perfect peace. Got my mind fixed on Jesus. I'm at H-E-B shopping, sweet Jesus. And you just sit, anyone? No? Okay. How many of you would say your lives have been a little bit chaotic and, and stressful and you just feel like you're running around with your head cut off? And you don't even know if you put deodorant on today because it's just been one of those days. Okay, good. So, well, I'm, I'm glad that you know if you wore deodorant or not. But, again, there's this conflict or this collision between what the Word of God says and the reality of our lives. And it's a lot like this picture. I love this picture because there's like bright sunshine, white cloud. And then there's like black cloud, like storm. And there's this colliding of like, well, dang, this is what God's word says. But that's not how my life pans out. So either God is a liar and we've got the biggest lawsuit on our hands. Or we're missing something. And so we're talking about chaos, and that's our verse. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And last week we talked about, help me out, what did we talk about last week? He remembers, because I don't, I'm blanking out. Uh, I gave my notes away. Storm. storm? Yeah, Jesus calmed the storm, that's right, thank you. Jesus fell asleep on the boat. See, I told you I didn't have it together today. Jesus calmed the storm, he fell asleep on the boat, disciples panic. This week, um, we're talking about a crowd of people. Um, I was at a conference this week in Dallas, got home at 2 o'clock this morning, and it was an incredible conference. And I've been to a number of conferences over the years, and most of the time I love them, and I get to hear these incredible men and women of God speak God's word. I'm like, holy cow, it's like, bah! you know. And all the excitement and the worship. And we were at Gateway Church in Dallas, which I don't know if you know. They've got like five or six or seven campuses. And on their screen, I kid you not, there's like five ginormous screens. Like their screens are as big as your wall. And there's like five or six giant screens. And they had these honeycomb lights. There was 12 of them because I'm weird because I'm counting things like that. And the music is like pulsating with the lights. And it's like 
It's like a slice of heaven. Like, I don't think Jesus has LEDs in heaven, but I'm just saying it was pretty darn legit. And it was powerful, and there's like 15,000 people singing the same songs, and they all sound amazing, right? Isn't that weird how that happens at conferences? Like at church on Wednesday and Sunday night, it doesn't always sound like that, right? Because we hear our own voice singing. But when you're with thousands, it's like, and we're joining in with the choirs of heaven, man. And so I'm at this conference, and I'm there with my coworkers, and it's awesome. But there's an element of conferences that I just don't like, and that is the people. Now let me tell you how these people did this conference, okay? Session would start at like 7 o'clock. Our hotel's like an hour from the church, so we got to get up early. We going to bed late. Big Bear's tired and hangry. You know what I'm saying? And there are lines everywhere. And I got to walk five miles just to get across the parking lot to get into the church. And so by the time I get into the church, I'm like, this is dumb, <laughs> you know? And so they open doors 30 minutes before session starts. I like to have a good seat. I'm just weird like that. If I go to the movie, I want to go online ahead of time and pre-pick out my seat. It just matters to me. Why? I don't know. I'm just wired like that. Now, here's the problem at these conferences. Everyone else wants a good seat. So what happens is you're literally surrounded by hundreds of people, and you're like sardines, okay? And so you're standing there, and it's hot, and they're not opening the doors on time. And if that's not bad enough, like, I seriously get claustrophobic, and I'm about to have a panic attack. And I think about yelling that, but that would cause chaos. So I'm just like, deep breaths, Terry, you got this, you know? Like, I don't even have room for my backpack. Y'all pressing in on my backpack. Get off my backpack because you're going to crush my snacks, you know? Because they just keep scooting. I'm like, where are you scooting to? There's nowhere to scoot to. (laughs) Until they open the doors. And it is craziness because all of a sudden all these people who really love Jesus by the way are pushing and pulling and running your leg over with their little roller suitcase Vera Wang which why they got a roller suitcase Vera Wang with them I don't know but that doesn't belong on my leg or over my foot and you're killing me and I'm saying bad words in my head right now because you're getting on my last nerve crowds i hate crowds and it was chaos it was chaotic there were people literally pushing and shoving for seats and so i'm i'm walking like a penguin because that's what i do and i'm like you know i'm moving as quick as i can in my life trying to get seats for me and my friends and you know you approach your own there's like a row full of seats and it's open right and you're like the lord has has been good to me i found some seats and they'd be like Sorry, this entire section is saved, you know? And I'm like, oh, snap. Like, it's just chaos, and it was crazy, but it was fun. And so today, I want to talk to you guys a story about um, a crowd. And we're going to read out of Mark 6 tonight. Mark 6, starting in verse 30. says this, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus said that to us today? He just showed up at school tomorrow. Children, let's go. Let's go have some water burger and then go take a nap and rest a while. Right? That'd be awesome. I don't think he's going to do that, but that'd be awesome. 
story continues. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. I would have said, oh, heck no. Go away. Leave us alone. <laughs> right? I would have totally gone Paul Blart security guard on him. Like, uh, he done. Go. Nope. Appointments booked. He's done. Just saying. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, Senor. And the hour's now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Don't you love the detail? I mean, I'm glad the grass was green. Appreciate that detail. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And Matthew, the Mark is, is the more detailed version. And Matthew, it, it's the same story that's found in Matthew uh, chapter 14, if you want to read that later. But it says in Matthew 14 that the last uh, verse 21, it says, And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. <laughs> The 5,000 were just the men. Now, you start adding ladies into the mix. You know we don't travel single. We don't ever go to the bathroom alone. You know? Like, there, <laughs> there might be one grocery sack in the car. And I'm going to say, hey, Paige, you want to help me get the groceries? <laughs> Krista might be putting the, the clothes from the washer into the dryer, and I'm going to go help her. <laughs> Because that's what we do, right, ladies? That's what we do. We travel in packs, definitely in pairs, but more like packs. There's no such thing as a lady hanging out by herself. There's always a pack. That's ladies. Now let's talk about children. Let's talk about children. I don't know if you've ever been around people for the first time with children. I went to the small group one night on a Friday night. I'd been invited to go to this small group and um unfortunately i said okay i guess and like i'm sitting on the couch trying to be invisible because i just don't do people and i don't do crowds okay a my whole i'm invisible didn't work that was disappointing (laughs) i legitimately was trying to be invisible but b there were children everywhere 
It was like they were crawling out of the chimney, out of houseplants, running through, wielding swords and weapons and costumes. And, and I'm like, holy cow, where are all the parents? And it wasn't even all homeschool families. Homeschool families are a whole nother level. The reason they keep making all uh, full-size vans is, well, let me stop. I rest my case. So basically, by the time you add in women and children, it's not just 5,000. There's about 10 to 15,000 people there. Okay? And so the whole premise is this. Jesus said, guys, I know you're tired. I know you're hungry. God bless you. I know you're hangry. Let's get away and go be by ourselves and rest. And the crowd apparently didn't get that memo. And they must have been real desperate to see Jesus because to be running after Jesus, personally, I'm not going to run towards Jesus. I'm be like, hey, come back. <laughs> but it says that they ran. And it says that when Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them. And I don't have the Greek word for compassion, uh, but it means like it's a deep feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like you are moved. You are moved. Beyond logical reasoning or thinking. And it says that when Jesus saw the crowd, remember the plan was to go rest, right? That he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. My biggest takeaway from the conference this week was this. I am a sheep and I need a shepherd. Period. That's good news. Because what that does is that reacclimates me to the truth of my life. That I'm just a jacked up human. That's it. And I don't have much to bring to the table. This is my sack lunch. And my sack lunch resembles my heart. Pretty small and crumpled and, and really not in the best shape and, and really not full of much of anything good. And I think if you and I would be real and take off the masks and take down the walls... A lot of you would say the same thing. I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a shepherd. I want to be led. I, I want to follow God with my life. I, I want him to be boss of my life, not me. I'm just an idiot. He says that when he saw the crowd, he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so we go from plan A to plan B, not because God's a liar, but because his purpose always prevails. Because Jesus will always put people above a plan. And so the Bible says that he began to teach. And, and it gets late. <clears throat> and the disciples come up to him. This is hilarious. The disciples come up to him. Um, hey, boss. <laughs> kind of in the middle of nowhere. Can't get any cell reception. The crowd is hungry. Why don't you send the people home, Jesus, so they can go get a burrito from 7-Eleven and get some rest? Translation, God, do something with the people in front of us because I need to take care of me. Their hearts weren't pure. There's no way that they had the people's best interest in mind when they had the audacity to go up to Jesus and to try and tell him what to do. But don't we do that all the time? Don't we tell God how to do things? Hey, Jesus, send the people home so they can get something to eat. Goodness gracious, it's getting late and we're in a desolate place. 
And Jesus' response? You feed them. You feed them. Me? (laughs) Jesus, it's light. I I mean, (laughs) me? I thought you were God. I thought you were the son of God. Look, when it comes to my snack stash, I ain't nobody touch my snack stash. (laughs) Unless I willingly say, hey, you want some of my pistachios? If I offer you something from my snack stash, you is in the club. You know what I'm saying? But you don't touch my food, man. And so the disciples go around. 15,000 people. There's no sound system. Absolute chaos. 15,000 people. I guarantee at least one farted. At least one threw up. At least one was sneezing their germs all over. At least one was grumpy. At least one was stressed out. Chaos. Chaos. This collision between reality and life and the perfect son of God and his perfect word. The definition of chaos is this, a state of utter confusion, a confused mass or mixture. So the disciples start going around, uh, hey, anybody got any food? (laughs) I've been like, heck no. No food? No, but man, I'm hungry. I sure could use a biscuit. But there's one boy. One boy who has a little sack lunch. And in his sack lunch... Two things of famous Amos cookies. Because unfortunately, I didn't have bread or fish in my desk today. But basically, it's not enough to feed 15,000 people. 15,000 people. And so I love it. The disciples go up to Jesus and they're like... "Uh." Five loaves and two fish, sir. And it says that Jesus broke it and he blessed it. And they passed it out. And I love this detail. It says that he had the people sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Could you imagine the chaos of this? I work with kids every Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon, I have about 70 elementary kids. And getting them to sit down. It's like just chaos. I can't imagine 15,000. How, how did Jesus do that? Excuse me, excuse me. Would you please sit down in groups of 50 or 100? You know? And like Peter's going around, oh, 51, I need one of you to move. Come on, we got a circle over here at 49. You know? Like that's just pure chaos, man. It's late, the sun is going down, it's getting dark, they're all angry. Disciples are ticked. Because this was supposed to be like a desolate place of rest. Not Grand China Buffet for 15,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. But it says that the disciples took the baskets and they passed out the food. And it doesn't just say that everyone had a taste and it whetted their appetite or it tied them over until they could get home to their pre-made lasagna. It says that everyone ate until they were full until they were satisfied satisfied man when y'all had pizza on Wednesday night some of you after one slice you're like I'm good that one slice was amazing I'm full and some of you young men are like "Uh, I need nine slices please nine (laughs) 
You know, like everyone ate until they were satisfied. And if that wasn't crazy enough, that everyone, 15,000 people, including children, we know how children are when they eat, right? Just saying, pure chaos. Women and grown men ate until they were satisfied. And it says that the disciples collected what was left over. And there were 12 basketfuls left. How many disciples were there? 12. 12. So when Jesus asked the disciples to do something, he wasn't just thinking about the crowd. He was thinking about the disciples. Jesus knew the motives of their heart and he knew they were tired and he knew they were hungry. The chaos in our lives, the chaos in your life and in my life is simply this. It's an invitation to let God be God. And that's a fantastic invitation. Because he's always going to RSVP with yes, because that is who he is. Because he loves to prove himself again and again. He loves to show us that he is God. He loves to be faithful. He loves to prove his word to you. He loves to answer your questions with yes and amen. He loves your questions. He loves your wrestling. He loves your hangriness and your grumpiness. And you're like, you're wrestling like, God, I want to believe, but I'm struggling to believe. And he loves it because he will always show up and he will always show out and he will always prove himself faithful. And that's what the chaos of our lives is. It's just an invitation that we send to God that says, God, would you please be God? There's not been a single day in all of history where God's like, man, gosh, really tired of this whole savior gig, man. People get on my nerves. You know? Like, there hasn't been one day where God's like, I think I'll just squash him with my thumb today. Greedy little minions. There's not been one time. There's not been one time that he hasn't held true to his word. There hasn't been one time that he saw someone in need of something and didn't provide for it. But you and I miss it all the time because in the midst of the chaos, you and I want to tell Jesus how to do things. And instead, he's flipping the table and he's saying, no, Tara, baby cake, you're going to do this thing. I'm like, uh, excuse me? I, I'm sorry, did I, I, I must have heard you wrong. What I said, God, was you need to do this and you need to do it in this time frame and you need to do it according to my plan. And what he will often do is he will flip the script on us and he will say, no, sweetheart, what's going to happen is we're going to do things my way. And you're going to listen to me and you're going to do things my way because I'm God and you're not. You're not. I think when there's chaos in our lives, we freak out. Okay, well, I'll just be honest. I freak out. I'm like, oh my gosh, God's not being God today. I need to save the day. I need to fix something or control something or change something or change people's hearts. And that has never been true. The chaos in my life is an invitation to God that says, hey, God, would you be God in my life today? Question mark. 
place RSVP to Tara at. And you know what he does every single time? He RSVPs. But with the best. With the best. Because he didn't just feed 15,000 hangry people in a desolate place. He fed 12 12 grumpy, stressed out, tired disciples. No one got left out that day. Until they were satisfied. The reason some of us, you and I, aren't satisfied. Is because we're doing things the way that we want to do them. Instead of the way Jesus wants us to do them. Who would have thought that one little sack lunch from one little boy on the hillside in a desolate place would end up feeding 15,000 people plus 12 hangry disciples? No one saw it coming, but Jesus did. When you feel pressed, when you feel crushed, when you feel tired, or not enough, or angry, or you're like on edge if something doesn't change. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know? It's the perfect setup for a miracle. It's, it's the perfect backdrop for God to show up and be God. When, when the, the look, your kids, you're not going to understand this, but as adults, when the bill is due and the bank account is negative and your back is up against the wall and the creditors keep calling and then you get like a random check in the mail, like, what? It's a perfect setup. When you're stepping out in faith next week in front of hundreds and thousands and, and you're like, man, I just can't do this. It's the perfect backdrop for a miracle. And for a move of God, because what it does is it gets us out of the way and it allows God to be God. And as incredible and smart and brilliant and awesome as you guys are, you can't compare to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Your best day is rubbish compared to God's best days. Because he's incredible like that. The chaos of our lives is an invitation for God to be God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9 says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed you know how I think we sometimes read that let me read it again you ready this is how I think we sometimes read this but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the suppressing power belongs to God and not to us we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed. Am I the only one? Here's how we should be reading it. Ready? Here's the positives. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Translation, the good that you see in my life is not because of terror. It is all Jesus. It is all Jesus. It is like 
all Jesus. All caps. Font size 96. Bold, underline, yellow highlight. It is all Jesus. But what do we do when we have bad days or we're weak? We hide, right? Like, oh shoot, I don't have my stuff together. I'm not going to go to church. I'm having a bad day. I'm angry at God today. I'm not going to show up for Bible study Sunday night because I just hate my life right now. But when you show up in your weakness and in your frailty, it allows God's power to be displayed through you. And it says this. We are not crushed. We are not driven to despair. We are not forsaken. We are not destroyed. That is good news. But it acknowledges the things that we feel, right? We feel crushed. We feel perplexed. But in the midst of our negative, God answers with a positive. In the midst of our not enoughness, God shows up with his more than enoughness. More, I just made that up, whatever. <laughs> Google it, Webster it, I don't care. He meets us with our little bit, with his whole lot, and he breaks it and he blesses it. But here's the catch. It's not just for you. Who got fed first? Disciples or the crowd? So who's your crowd? Some of you coming to God, you're like, God, you better take care of me, dang it. Because I'm tired and I'm hangry. And I'm tired of you not hearing my prayers. And I'm tired of you not changing things. You know what his response is? I see you and I hear you and I'm working on it. But I'm asking you to take the little bit that's in your hands and give it to the ones around you. Because you might think you're hard off, but baby, you are not as hard off as the crowd who are like sheep without a shepherd. Because you have a shepherd. They do not. You think your life is difficult? You're not strung out on, a, on crack on a street somewhere. I'm not trying to minimize the things that you're going through. I'm just saying, you have a shepherd. I have a shepherd. And that changes everything. God will never ask you to feed someone else and not satisfy your hunger at the same time. He will never ask you to do something and not give you what you need to do it because that would make him a punk. And either God and his word are true and yes and amen, or we have the biggest lawsuit on our hands and he's the biggest punk I know. Here's how we're going to close. some questions and I just want you to consider these questions in your heart what is the thing that you've been telling God to do in your life y'all can close your eyes you don't have to look at this like between you and Jesus 